Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Power Your Life, and this is Dr. Joanne White, and I am very pleased to have an incredibly special guest today who really looks inside and asks really important questions and helps us discover and maybe even rediscover about the pressing questions and answers that we need to have about who we are, what our life is about, what our purpose is, how do we live authentically. And I'm talking about Guy Finley, who is the best-selling author of The Secret of Letting Go, The Courage to Be Free, and 40 other works that have sold over 2 million copies in 24 languages worldwide. And for over 30 years, Guy has revealed the authentic path to a higher life of happiness, success, and true love. And recently, he has this new book called The Secret of Your Immortal Self, and we're going to talk about that and everything else under the sun, hopefully, today. Hello, Guy. How are you? Hi, Joanne. (laughs) Deja vu all over again. I'm great. Yes, it's one of those stories, right? But this time, we're going to make sure that it works. So let's delve into this book the secret of your immortal self it talks about our beliefs how to really identify what's going on with us what was what was the stem behind writing this book i wanted to as with each book that i've written be able to uh, elucidate you know make clearer and clearer the discoveries that uh that are being made as a result of my work with my own uh, ideas, you know. Uh, it's it's unending. So the the book is the, the, the next uh, level of expression, and hopefully uh, with each new book, clearer, uh, more readily understood, not uh, more detailed or complicated, but much uh, punchier, if you will, because that's what happens is you... you, you uh, grow into this understanding. It, it it becomes something that was pretty obvious that you just didn't see, and now you can. Now you talk about the immortal self. What what is the immortal self? I mean, and is that something that's foreign to us? Can we can we access that? Um, of course we can, and the the simplest way that I can say what the immortal self is there is a part of each and every one of us and you can be the advocate if you would for the listeners how many times in your life Joanne have you come into a a moment where maybe uh, it was a crisis revisited something that a a lesson that had had been elusive at best and then one day uh, however it happens 
suddenly you're able to see and understand something about the situation that the moment of that illumination really uh you 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 just you get it you you knew uh all along that that understanding was there it's just that somehow or other you had misdirected yourself you had you had not been able to put yourself to receive that understanding that was already a part of you so that it was more like a sudden remembrance of a truth than it was the discovery of something new and foreign to you isn't that true that you know that happens to me a lot and i and i also really believe that in in my internal messages i love to follow them and and i and i feel very guided by them sometimes when I'm not paying attention, I think that, that this is important for a lot of people because they don't know when they're listening to their immortal self or their divine self versus their their ego. And, and oftentimes people don't know how to differentiate between that inner guidance and the truth and, and other information that may be coming from their fear, their ego. And so maybe you can help shed some light on that too. Well, it's... It's something we've all experienced, a moment where this clarity comes and we realize that whatever it was we felt had been missing, that we didn't understand, the understanding's there, which means that already living within us is that new understanding. It, it's, it isn't a question of learning something it's a question of remembering something. This is a big point, really, Joanne, and in a way to the heart of my new book. The, uh, when you read something true, you hear something true, it is, it is a bit like suddenly realizing a part of yourself that you had just lost contact with. And, and the, the purpose of any truthful idea, any true teaching, is to help the aspirant Remember that within him or herself already lives this wisdom, already lives this this quality of love that can't be contradicted. So the book simply serves as a kind of a wake-up, helping us see, A, where we miss the mark, B, where we can understand ourselves a little better by entering into the relationship from a slightly different point of view, and little by little, waking up, not, not how do I say that to you, not acquiring something, not adding knowledge, not cultivating an image, and not even really improving myself, but discovering that within myself already lives everything that I need in the moment. So what you're saying, and I totally believe it, is being able to tap into that part of ourselves that for some reason we may have hidden from ourselves or not paid attention to or or not been able to see and then suddenly there's this illumination guy and we and we connect with it and I know when those moments happen to me they're calming moments they're they're moments where my heart feels very much engaged and I and I don't know how to describe it other than that way because it's a very powerful moment and it's very poignant and it's very filling fulfilling too Oh, yes. Look, when we step outside on an afternoon and maybe the sun is setting or we're at the beach or walking through the woods, maybe we're 
watching a mother with a newborn, any of these moments where because of where we are, we are in relationship with, with, with an event that by the very fact that we uh, are in proximity to it, that, that moment, that relationship stirs in us something that were we not in relationship in that moment with the sunset, with the timeless night sky, the ocean, then we wouldn't suddenly be made aware of a quality, a certain character within us. And these events in life, if you will, they simply stir within us something that we're asleep to the moment before, and then we're reminded. We're actually given an, a, a, a kind of gift where we realize, you know what, that, that vast mountain that I'm so smitten with, its power, its majesty, all that's happened is that this relationship with what I'm looking at has stirred in me the quality it isn't that the quality was created by what I'm looking at. What I'm looking at stirs and reveals that within me already lives this timeless nature, this beauty, this harmony, so that the relationships serve as revelation. And in the revelation, we are awakened to what is timeless in ourselves. This is pretty evident when it can be explained in a fair fashion, but we lose sight of that fact that every moment of our life is actually a series of lessons riding in on the back of events. And that these events are literally revelations. Every moment stirs a corresponding quality or character in us that we were asleep to the moment before. And when we see something loving or beautiful or strong or moving, we're all on board with the revelation because we love having revealed in us this beauty, this harmony, but where we must, as aspirants, take and do what is needed to change is to realize that every moment is true, including the ones that reveal to us parts of ourselves that we don't want to see. Because and it is in the right. moment of revelation. I'm sorry? No, I was going to say, and oftentimes people ignore that part of it because they don't want to see it, so they, they ignore that part of it when... When that's all, like you're saying, that's part of the fullness of who we are, too. We, there is something in us that summarily resists revelation when the realization from that revelation would be that there is something limited or working against us in our own nature. But the fact is that within us live these unconscious states, certain energetic forces conditions that have been put together over time into the form of personality that we must become conscious of if we're ever going to know what it means to be free. So when the lessons ride in on the back of events, meaning, what is it saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Right. And we love it when the teacher says, look how beautiful this is, because it cor corresponds to a beauty in us. But when the teacher says, hey, guy, Joanne, Let's look at this anger. Let's look at this regret. Let's look at this negativity that's come up because life has run against what you think it should be. Then up comes something in us that does not want to meet that nature. But it is our only hope to bring that nature into the light that has revealed it so that we can realize, ah, that is not I. This is not who I am but it is if I identify with it and summarily reject 
the revelation. So it's it's important from what you're saying to look at it, to examine it, not to turn away from it, and to recognize that that's not the truest self, but that's there, and we have we have an option. Not only I would say not only an option, we have a a responsibility to shift that, if you will. I went through yes. a moment like that over the weekend where some incident happened, and I got into my poor me, oh me, I'm not deserving crap. And I also have that part of me that watches it. So there I am watching the pity party <laughs> as I'm saying, okay, I mean, I recognize, okay, let's let's let her carry it out, but at the same time realizing that, that, that I can't be... I can't embrace that or get totally moved by it or shifted by it. And and when I was able to do that, instead of, like, really getting into it and getting stuck with it, it shifted really quickly rather than lasting for days or, or however long sometimes that happens to us. Yes. Listen, our, we have a, a, a very erroneous, a mistaken idea about ourselves. It's part of an acquired conscience, cultivated socially, religiously, morally, over God only knows how long, where, and I'll say it in the affirmative, there's no such thing as a bad fact about ourselves. There is no such thing as a bad fact. But when a moment comes and up comes inside of us as a result of what the revelation, the relationship is stirring in us. Up comes something that's angry or dark or frightened or worried, something that isn't so pretty. There is a part of us that immediately clamps down and says, oh, my God, that's bad. You're not supposed to be that kind of person. You're supposed to be this kind of person. And without understanding what's happened, our unconscious mind gets us to identify with a pleasing image, with some promising uh, person that we will be after we get through whatever the problem is. But those states, those unconscious characteristics that are revealed in the moment, Joanne, they are seeds. They are literally something that we are meant to um, bring into the light of this awareness that shows it to us. And then through that, realize all at once that this quality of my nature, my character, it may have been who I have been up until this moment. Maybe when I was growing up, uh, I was in an abusive family, and all I knew how to do, all I was taught to do was to fight, to protect myself, not to be disrespected. And I've taken that that knee-jerk reaction to feeling disrespected my whole life, the anger that comes up, as the proof that I'm better than the situation. But then maybe, God willing, one day, up comes this angry reaction to feeling as if I'm disrespected, and suddenly I see, you know what? Me getting angry at somebody disrespecting me is really me disrespecting myself. Because the anger that I feel is burning me. I'm blaming them. But it's my reaction. They didn't put that reaction in me. It's the best I could do up until this moment. And then suddenly I see, ah, you know what? This knee-jerk reaction of not letting people, in quotes, disrespect me is the best that I was able to do till now. But now I see 
That is not who I am. And when I fight to protect myself, I'm actually fighting to protect the limitation. Because all angry reactions are limitations. So we outgrow ourselves. And to the point of the new book, we outgrow ourselves into our true nature. But who we outgrow is part of it. It's just something that, like an old sweater, just doesn't work anymore, and it has to be released. So the more that we're fighting against it, the less awareness we're having about, about that shift that's taking place, too, and Perfect. about who we are Perfect. in it, right? And, you know, I also think that... I, I uh, also let me get think this. that... Let's, Listeners, please write this down before we go on. Resistance cannot learn. Resistance cannot learn. Anything we resist will reincarnate. Anything we resist will reincarnate because the nature that has produced the unwanted condition is not being changed by the condition it's attracted to itself. Instead, it's using the condition to validate its fear or resentment or regret. Key idea. Christ said, do not resist evil. Original translation in Aramaic, do not oppose what opposes you. Now, let's go on. It just creates more of the same, really, is what you're saying. Absolutely. And maybe it even takes it up a notch, or two, or three, it, until it we really, get it. That's exactly right. It actually does. Resistance is the, the linchpin of reincarnation. Anything we resist will repeat psychologically, and when we do that enough, the whole pattern will simply produce itself and, as you said, get stronger. Right, I've seen that happen. And also what you were saying earlier is important because if we're we're saying that something in somebody else is causing what's going on with us or we're reacting or responding to something, to an anger or something in another person, we're, it's really, as you said, it's really about us and we have to look within. Now you talk in your book, and I, I love this book and thank you for, for sending it, about... A crowning moment, crowning moments of life. And that's the first time I've heard that that way. And and let's talk a little bit to to our listeners. What do you mean by that crowning moment? And and what does that mean for for each one of us? In the book, I I call the crowning moment the moment in which we realize that the limitation that we have been living from is always supplying us with a path or a plan to resolve its existence and that when we listen to the limitation tell us how to free ourselves from it we strengthen the nature that has that limitation the realization of that limitation and then the agreement to let that nature die to see that I cannot go ahead I was just thinking how do we come to that agreement within ourselves how do we is it a I mean it has to be to some extent a conscious decision am I right oh it it, it's born out of an awareness 
that in the moment reveals, as it does in every situation, the truth of ourselves. Look, let's let's pick an example. Here's a, a, a man and a woman, um, and maybe she's, I don't know, maybe he abuses and she enables. Just the simplest example we can take. Right. Um, she she enables because uh, she doesn't want to be alone. She's got a lot vested in the relationship. And he uh, abuses because he doesn't know what to do with his pain. So he takes it out on her, and she enables it by accepting it. So at some point, one day she's sitting there, and she realizes, you know what? All that happens when I fawn, pretend like I'm not hurt, or create a situation that makes him apologize when I know it doesn't change him, all I'm doing is avoiding something in myself. And what I'm avoiding in this relationship is a certain state of myself that's telling me that without him, I, I won't make it. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Or that it's confirming you've never been good enough. In other words, she enables the relationship because she's listening to something that when it resists the moment, then tells her, here's what you have to do to get through this. The crowning moment is when we realize we're not on this planet to get through punishing relationships with other people or with what we do to ourselves. And so it isn't a question of finding strength. It's a, a discovery, an awareness of where I have let weakness tell me who I am and what to do. And when I become aware of that weakness, passing itself off as strength, I have to give it up because consciousness, true conscience, will not act against itself. Is that clear, Joanne? I think that's very, very clear and very powerful. And I'm thinking about people who, who may be in abusive relationships and they get out of it, but the, but they are not living consciously and they get back back into it because of the fear and, and get stuck again and not recognizing really how powerful they are and, and that that they're causing that by, by repeating the same cycle over and over again. And yes. many of us do that when, with, with other kinds of things. When we learn the lesson in the pain, we don't have to repeat the pain anymore. Pain repeats itself. Negative relationships reoccur because we do not learn the lesson in them. The only thing we meet in life, Joanne, the only problem we have at any turn in the road is what we do not understand about ourselves, period. That is the true definition of taking responsibility, of realizing, yes, there's something in me that wants to lay blame on this man, this job, this world, this government, lay blame on my past. But every time that we lay blame for a condition that seems to be outside of us, that blame is being offered to us as a way to avoid the consciousness that has recreated the circumstance over and over again. Blame is a form of resistance. You want to do a little exercise with me? I would love to. To help yeah. the listeners understand this? Let's do it. Here's our, our right hand, listeners, is going to represent who we are and what we want. 
That's our right hand. Our left hand is going to represent what we don't want. Someone, something that seems to be in the way, causing us pain. So here's my right hand, and it's kind of bouncing along, kind of happy. And here comes my left hand, representing something I don't want. Now, take your right hand, listener, who you think you are, and go ahead and take your left hand, the thing you don't want, and tell me what happens to your left hand when you try to push it away by resisting it. Can you push your left hand away? Or the more you push, the stronger the left hand gets. The more I'm, and I'm doing this now, Guy, and the more I'm pushing, the the more I'm resisting because the left hand yes. is pushing yes. back, sort of. That, listen, that's called isometric exercise, Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> that's a form of, that's how you strengthen both arms. So the more I push away what I don't want, the more I am strengthening the nature that presents to me its resistance to what I do want. So this so is why we by, don't. I was going to say so by resisting it the way by resisting it and pushing it away, we're really inviting it in even more. Resistance even does we, not separate us from what we don't want. It strengthens our relationship with it. Resistance is negative attraction. If you think about it, when you resist something, it's because you're identified with it. And you're giving it so much energy, too, and so much attention. You are giving it all of your energy. And the commensurate sense of self. Yeah, it is exhausting. And right. nothing changes. So what we want to do with our listeners is, okay, so so now now we've set the stage, and, and you've done so brilliantly, Guy, about resistance and and what we're doing with it. How do we attract that divinity, that divine attention, and allow our own divine divinity within us to really kind of shine and to really be be in in a state of flow? Well, first of all, to be super clear here, you don't, you, you don't, uh, how do I say this? You know, you don't attract a beautiful afternoon. You don't attract, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, this is unfortunate that we have become uh, so convinced that somehow or other we have to create this relationship with the divine. There's a story in my book, if I may, about uh, a bird by the name of Heckle. When I first moved up here to southern Oregon, I'd never seen stellar jays before. They're a beautiful, uh, resplendent blue uh, jay with with a crown. I'd never seen one before. And over the years, I cultivated this relationship with Heckle and Jekyll, this pair of stellar jays. To where, finally, uh, they would land in my hand and take the peanut from it. And then one day I was on the phone, and Heckle landed on this little tree. I have a little kind of a porch right outside my office Mm -hmm. window with bonsai trees on them. And Heckle sat there on the bonsai tree, and I couldn't get off the phone. I was doing a radio interview. (laughs) And he just stared at me. 
And I, I kind of tried to shoo him away, and he wouldn't go. And you know what? I During the commercial break, I had to get out of my chair and go give Heckle a peanut. <laughs> Why? Because what he wanted from me caused me to want to give it to him. His attention made me give my attention to him. This is a very beautiful law. I like to say to find the celestial in the common. This means that when I really want the divine in my life, it won't be just because something has gone bad or because I'm in church or temple for a few minutes and I get stirred up. When I want the divine in my life more than I want the life that I'm giving myself in an attempt to cover up everything missing from my life, the divine is there. It isn't a question of creating the relationship. It's a question of entering into it by giving my attention to this living presence that already is within us. So it's 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 really about attention and awareness and connection. It is. And it is. when we're attending to it, we're not thinking about what it is. Or we're, it's just there. It's just a part of it's us. It's the relationship. That's exactly right. 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 Which brings us to a, a, an important point, something that uh, irritates a lot of people, but it has to be said. What we experience moment to moment cannot be separated from what we value most in that moment. What we experience in any given moment cannot be separated from what we most value in that moment. I defy anybody to argue that point. But if so we can you recognize it... expand upon that a little bit? Well, look, people say, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be resentful. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be addicted. I don't want to have an enemy. I'm saying that if you're angry, afraid, depressed, or have an enemy, it's because that's what you value in the moment. So, right. It's like how, I, how worked could, with somebody, I worked with somebody yesterday who said, I, didn't, I don't want to do something because I don't want to get into my fear. Right. And show them the left hand, right hand thing. Right, right. And she's resisting and yet encouraging it by by really being there in more of a level of constancy than than, than she's aware that she's aware of. You know, it, it's it's phenomenal, Joanne. The, uh, another story from the book: a man in a third world country. He's walking down the road on the way to a. a uh, see somebody, and he's walking kind of against the stream of people coming with their carts, carrying the sugar cane on their shoulders and the chickens in their hands to a third world market. And as he turns the corner, comes up a hill, lo and behold, he looks up and he cannot believe his eyes. And there, coming down the road, headed towards the market, there is a man, and a donkey has saddled the man and the man is carrying the donkey with the sugar cane on the donkey. And he says, oh, my God, how could this possibly be, sir? 
why would you allow a donkey to saddle you? And the man looks at him as if it's perfectly natural and says, well, that's the only way I could get him to go to the market with me. <laughs> we have <that's> become <laughs> we have become a race of beings that have become subordinate to our own thoughts and feelings. A thought says, "Go here, do this, feel that." And we go, "Yeah, okay." As if the thought or feeling has authority over us. No thought, no feeling has authority over you. Well, we act like it does. Yes, because we are identified. Here's an example of how it works. I'm driving down the street. Suddenly I realize I've left something at home. I'm going to be late. i got to go back and get it. Anxiety, that's the donkey. What does anxiety say? Anxiety says, Guy, the way to be free of me is to do what I tell you to do. Race home. Feel this anxiety all the way. And I go, yeah, that's a good idea because anxiety, when it says, if I will do what it projects, that I will be released from its pain, I buy it over and over again. Anxiety lies. When it projects a positive outcome, when a fearful thought or feeling tells you, here is what you must do, avoid this situation, I identify with the image that the fear or the anxiety has projected. And it's projected a happy outcome. So I get caught up in the imagined state, and I serve the anxiety of their fear so that I can get to the end of what I've imagined. But there is no end to what I've imagined. It's imagined it keeps, and is and the right. nature of myself. Can you and see it? And it keeps going. Get it, uh, yes, and it keeps That's going it. and going in other on ways. And, and as we said earlier, yeah. right, it gets it gets stronger. You know what I love about this book, too? There are tools. I mean, the wisdom, and, and you, you, you are so full of wisdom, but the wisdom in the book is incredible. And, and there are also tools, practical ways for people to actually delve in and work with themselves and really it, it, take themselves on a journey of self-discovery. It's like a, an incredible guidebook that, that's really, I mean, your books are like that, but it's just so important because we need we need that. We need to be able to have practical ways to to be able to to decipher something that in in a way as you're talking is our natural state and yet we allow like you're saying the emotions and and other kinds of things take control so that they yes. become who we are and they're really yes. not who we are but we we act no, they, they they are they are not who that's boy and and that's what all the exercises in the book help the reader understand. It, when, when we begin to suspect that we have been saddled by a thought of fear, saddled by an anxious or angry feeling, and in that gradual awakening to how things have become turned around in us, this new self-knowledge allows us to set an intention. You know what? He's right. I've been listening to something tell me that I'm inadequate my whole life and to hide out. And I've never yet found the the harbor 
where I feel good about myself because every time I avoid the opportunity to challenge that image, all I'm doing is strengthening the image. So I'm going to act on this new knowledge. I'm going to set an intention for myself to never again allow myself to avoid a challenging moment. I'm not going to try to win in the moment, but I'm not going to avoid it anymore. So intention creates revelation. Because if I intend to not let this lower nature saddle me, my intention will actually bring about a greater clarity of how I have been complicit with that nature and its saddling of me. So that the a, a new light sheds an altogether new possibility. And I am strengthened by the revelation of my weakness instead of letting weakness be strengthened by my avoidance of it. So we have that awareness, and then we, we set that intention to to be with it, to recognize it, to to not let it overshadow us, and it creates to not what be, you're To not be afraid of ourselves. Well, Do you know why we let people, for instance, mistreat us? Do you know why we don't... When, we, we, we know we should say something to someone, maybe to one of our own children, God help us. Do you know why we don't, we don't say what's well, right and true? I'm not saying getting negative and attacking somebody. I'm saying, do you know why we don't set the cards right? Well, I have several reasons. One is because we're, I mean, I've, I've worked with people who've been in abusive relationships and, and they're afraid of being alone and they're afraid that they'll never be with somebody and they're also afraid of of who they are, and, and also they to that, their power. Right. We, we are afraid of what we are. Meaning that if I say something to you and then you come back at me, I know that I'm going to get negative and angry. And I don't want to be negative and angry. I say it's because I'm a good person. I say it's because I'm afraid of my own negativity. Think about this. Think about, listeners, what we're saying. How is it possible that we have become human beings who can be afraid of themselves? It's a contradiction that's beyond conversation. The you only know, way I can you... be afraid of myself is if there is a part of me that wants me to believe that the anger and fear are greater than I am. That's when nonsense. You watch at, it is, and when you animals and birds and nature you don't see that they're afraid of themselves i mean it, it has nothing you know that that's not even happening <laughs> i don't even think that's a exactly question. the only way we can be afraid of ourselves is if our own mind resists the appearance of a negativity and then in resistance creates something more out of it than it is so that that self can then literally feel, oh, my God, this is so terrible. Look at this. I can't do anything about it. No, that's not true. You can awaken. You can have the revelation that what you are meeting in that moment is intended to be met by you so that it can be integrated, awakened to, released, and reconciled. Then you're free, and that's the whole path endlessly and you know what and that's a beautiful path because freedom is is uh, the freedom is free it's a it's an incredible feeling 
I have a quick well, question because we're running out okay, of time. Yeah, I'm just okay. wondering, now more than in any other time in history, and I don't know if that's true, do you feel that, that people are more awakened to that aspect of themselves or that there's a necessity for that to happen at this time more than another time? We're seeing a very uh, unique set of conditions begin to unfold. On one hand, um, events are reaching a pitch. And I'm just not talking about what we want the world. Uh, right, it, it, even right. physicists even physicists agree that the vibratory rate of the planet herself is accelerating. And we are experiencing higher levels of phonetics, uh, energies, uh, sunlight. This stimulation does one of two things. It either creates a greater resistance in the individual receiving it, and in that greater resistance, greater pain, and in greater pain, greater desperation. So you see fanaticism, you see violence, unconscious acts toward each other, born out of a certain act of unconsciousness resisting revelation of itself. On the other hand, for some men and women, the same ex uh, um, higher vibratory experience is producing revelation of this unwanted nature so that one group of men and women, a much smaller one, are able to use the appearance of this resistance in order to release themselves from the nature that's identified with it. On the other hand, much broader, much darker, more sweeping, you see a host of men and women who are captured, who are literally living in a consciousness that can do nothing but resist and reject this, ex this exaltation and in their pain, then uh, exact pain and violence and conflict, greed, all of that onto the planet. So we're seeing, as is always the state, this thing going in two directions at once. And I'm wondering, I mean, uh, I, I keep thinking that the the rate, the vibratory rate of, of the peace that, uh, of people who, who are using that vibration that increase in, in that vibratory state and are using it in, in, and I don't like the word negative or positive, but are using it in more exalted ways uh, that maybe that, that can be stronger. That's my, you know, that's where I'm going with this. That's what, where my hope is. And that's where I think the energy can be more powerful and more potent. Well, it, it is, but let us never forget something that we all know, but, but somehow it just gets swept away. The world doesn't change because a group of people get together to make it change. The world changes when an individual changes. And then because of the change in that individual, by a certain law of attraction, a certain state of magnetics, that individual will find other individuals. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. It's right out of Scripture. Right. So that light, that light, is an accumulative light. We ch so the we world need... changes because we change as individuals. Right. And, and only... As, and look... Yeah, go ahead. And as we, no, as individuals, as we're changing, like you're saying, Guy, as we're changing as individuals, we're touching other people and connecting with other people who are also changing. And helping them, and helping them remember, don't let a donkey put a saddle on you. <laughs> 
Well, I love that saying, and I love that expression. Guy, you are incredible. We could do this forever, and and I really appreciate your time. Can you tell people how they can get a hold of you, your book, and and not just this book, but all of the wondrous jewels and, and wisdom that you have? Well, the simplest thing is this. Um, I have a nonprofit uh, foundation, and we sponsor a website where visitors can spend years just uh, browsing through and downloading the free resources. And that's at GuyFinley.org, www.guifinley, GuyFinley.org. Lots of free gifts. If you're interested in the book, and I hope that you are, my foundation has put the book together with five free gifts of uh, a, a, a really tremendous magnitude, um, a complete MP3 album, a complete PDF of a book uh, called 365 Days to Let Go. Really more than I can say, but you get the book and the free gifts at www.yourimmortalself, one word, yourimmortalself.org. It'll take you right to the page on my uh, website uh, where you can see the book, and we pay... uh, with what you have to pay for shipping with Amazon, uh, we ship for the same uh, price. So yourimmortalself.org for the book and the gifts, or just guyfinley.org if you want to learn more about it and sign up for the free weekly key lessons. That's it. That's wonderful. Guy, thanks again for for you, for you being here, for everything that you impart to us, for sharing you and your information and just for the incredible being that you are. Um, We had a great time together, Joanne, and uh, let's hold it in our hearts and minds that we'll do it again sometime in the not-too-distant future. Yes, I thank you so much. I will. And folks, remember... Remember the incredible wisdom that that guy has imparted in his books and think about your resistance and think about that that exercise with the right hand and the left hand because it's very powerful and and I'm smiling as I'm watching I'm doing it again with my hands and as I'm watching my left hand try to resist as it it's getting more and more powerful so remember that what guy said resistance does not help us learn and it it really get stronger. Thanks for being with us, and remember that within you, you have incredible power, incredible incredible gifts, and access that, and share that not only with other people, but with yourself. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to find out more about me, go to to docwhite, D-O-C-W-H-I-T dot org. Find out more about my TV show, Power Your Life TV, and Power Your Life Radio, and the incredible guests that we have. Have a blessed day wherever you are, and thanks for being here. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.